already. Did this say recording in progress on your end? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, fantastic. Um, so normally I don't do uh, visual recordings, but uh, this is one of the first for sure. I usually just, um, you know, talk on the microphone with a glass of wine uh, in the dark uh, <laughs> with my computer screen and I just kind of talk, but I know, um, you know, but what's going on guys? Uh, my name is Eric from Be Creative Productions. Uh, welcome back to another episode of my podcast. Alongside with me, I have a great friend of mine that is extremely humble, uh, a hardworking individual. And throughout the past couple of years, I've, I've seen him grow, not just become a student of the financial world, but also a mentor for many others who seek to um, find guidance. Um, but without further ado, Ahmed, what's going on? Give us a little bit about you, uh, who you are, what you do, and how long you've been doing it. Yeah, so um, my name is Ahmed Munley. I, me and Eric, we probably met about five, five six years ago. Um, we met when I was, I think it was my freshman year in college, but, um, I, yeah, I, I work, uh, as of now I work as a financial consultant for Charles Schwab. Um, this is actually my second financial industry or second, uh, financial firm that I've worked for. Um, so kind of what got me into this was two things. One, um, I definitely love like dealing with money and learning more about money. And the second thing is I love having conversations with people. So um, in college, I just started doing some trading and I got pretty good at it. Um, not enough to like quit school and stuff like that. So I wasn't like a, a Mongo or anything like that. Right, right, right. But um, so I, you know, I started trading. I did pretty well in it. And I was like, you know what? I might as well like go learn how to do this, you know, professionally. And so, you know, that was kind of like my mindset of it. And so um, I started doing more trading, you know, kind of like reaching out to some places. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first company that, you know, kind of wanted to recruit me out of school was like Edward Jones. And so I went and worked for them for a mm-hmm. couple of years. Um, it was all right. And so then um, I ended up, uh, Charles Schwab, I saw that they had an opening. I kind of like what they did a lot better. Um, I like how they integrate technology really into their financial like into their financial institution they Mm -hmm. made me a much better offer and so i've been here for the past six months and i've absolutely loved it awesome awesome and besides working in the in the professional world what do you do outside in the professional world um you know on your own free time do you do you still share your insights and um how do you do that yeah so um i post kind of regularly on my instagram you know just um, asking people questions about, you know, what they think about certain things. Um, some of them are kind of like rhetorical questions. Uh, I post some educational stuff on my uh, Instagram page. Um, I'm more active actually on Snapchat. That's when I'll kind of like make like small videos and just talk about, you know, just, hey, you know, this is what Congress is talking about doing. Um, and, uh, you know, this is what Congress is talking about doing in the financial world. Um, did you guys see what just happened with Tesla or, you know, and so, you know, um, those are kind of like some of the things that I do outside of like work, but I guess just for fun, I still play basketball. I try to work out uh, at least three times a week. Fitness is important. Um, and, you know, just typical adult stuff, hang out with friends and, you know, just drive, travel as much as I can. That's that's definitely important. That's definitely important. Um, but yeah, like I the do. The one thing I do want to talk about is, um, you know, how saturated social media is with all these like uh, mm. financial gurus. 
Um, I'm not throwing any shade or any hate towards them. I, you know, I, I respect them for what they do and what they've done to get to where they are. Um, but I feel like it could be a little toxic in a way where a lot of young kids are just thrown in this world of having high expectations of, you know, day trading stocks and mm-hmm. flipping things and, you know, just trying to be someone that they are not yet. And, and I look at them and I think of, you know, do they understand the origins of all of this? Like, do they understand why money is a thing, why currency is a thing and, you know, what goes on behind the scenes? So the one question I do want to ask you is um, in your own words, um, when and how did like money and currency come about, you know, within history and what, what has it um, become in our society today? Yeah, so that is definitely a great question. And um, it, there's a, there's a two hour explanation to that, but then there's also kind of like a five minute explanation. So I'll, I'll try to tackle both of those like kind of yeah, separate sure questions. And so, right. um, so for the most part, you know, we used it. So you got to think back to like the early, early days, there was no concept of money, no. right? There was no concept of currency. And so um, you know, for the most part, people used to just live in small kind of tribes, right? Mm-hmm. And so you, there was really no need for money because it was like, well, I know everyone in this tribe. And so for the most part, it was kind of just like a borrow system. It's like, hey, you know, you give me two loaves of fish now, I'll give you some bread, you know, later on when I make it, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, that's kind of like how it developed. But then as we, you know, people started to kind of expand out, you know, this group became farther from this group, mm-hmm. you know, just because you may need cheese in your village, I may need shoes. And so, you know, it, it, it definitely became a way of like, how do we, how do we kind of like, um, differentiate um, like, value? Right. Yeah. You know, and how do we right. differentiate, differentiate value and, mm. and how do we make it like portable and standardized? Right. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. that's kind of like where some currency kind of started to come in. And yeah. so really for the most part, like currency is just going to be a couple of different things, right? Like there's, there's a couple of things that currency had to have. It had to be portable, right? So you can't have like a giant rock as your currency because you, you can't really take that around with you. Mm -hmm. Right. And so then you may have things like, well, what about precious metals and, you know, gold and stuff like that to a certain degree that kind of worked for a while. But then, you know, you want something that's divisible. Right. Mm -hmm. You got to have something that you're able to break down. And so, you know, it's it's hard to like break down gold and like silver and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, you know, Mm -hmm. on the street and stuff like that. You can't really do it. Yeah. Um, It becomes hard to find, too. Right. And which leads me into another feature of currency, which is kind of it has to be scarce. Right. It can't be so readily available that everyone has it because then it's worth nothing. That's why salt didn't work, you know, back in the ancient (laughs) days. That's what they used. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, some of you saw, you know, other spices and things like that. And so um, one of the biggest things is it also had to have a standardized unit. Right. And so. Um, I mean, just like kind of looking at some of my like some of like my definitions of currencies has to be portable, it has to be divisible, has to be acceptable, right? Like you have to accept it and I also have to accept it. Um, It has to be kind of scarce and it has to be a standardized unit. If it's a dollar for you, that also means it's a dollar for me. And it also means that it's a dollar from, you know, the guy down the street. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what currency is. So what we have now is called currency It's actually specifically called a fiat currency, 
we don't truly have money because even though money has all those things, money also has to hold its value over time. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. and that's something that money that our currency doesn't do now after, I think it was Nixon took us off the gold standard the last time. Um, mm-hmm. After we were taking off the gold standard, our, our money became currency at that point because really because how it really was like kind of like how money really was it was just a placeholder for gold right so let's say that you were to let's say that you were to go to the dry cleanings right whenever you go to the dry cleanings they give you you know like a ticket you leave your clothes there and then you know you come back with your ticket and then you get your clothes back right Mm -hmm. the ticket isn't necessarily the valuable thing in that transaction your clothes is the valuable thing so now, to a certain degree, how it was back in the day, gold was the valuable thing and money was just a receipt almost. Money was just kind of like a receipt that said, hey, you owe me $20 in gold. Does that make sense? And so right. then you could just turn in that $20 and you know get whatever your standard of gold was at the time, right? Well, it probably wasn't $20, but $20 was a lot, a lot of money back in the day. Right. Um, but once they took us off the gold standard, then... You know, you can't you you couldn't just like have that median of exchange like as you could anymore. And so from that point on, it was known as currency because mm-hmm. currency doesn't hold its value over time. Specifically, it's called fiat currency. Okay, for sure. I I guarantee you, like a lot of people like you know our age or or even older, I bet they didn't even know the difference between those two. Uh, what money and currency is i highly doubt people have heard of fiat currency because i certainly haven't so um and while you were explaining it, i i just realized how how vague and how broad that question was i didn't know there was uh so much into why money is money and why currency is currency so um yeah thank you so much for sharing um but you know as everyone may know um you know especially in our age we've dealt with the recession or our parents have dealt with the recession mm-hmm. and um you know a lot of older people um if we're lucky to meet them have also gone through the great depression um you know speaking about money what do recessions and uh the great depression teach us yeah so really a recession i think like the i think this the technical definition of a recession mm-hmm. is it is when there is two or more consecutive quarters of negative economic growth, right? So that's like the technical definition. Oh. Um, so there, there technically is a, there is a, there is a technical definition, but I mean, essentially a recession is when there's a decline in economic activity, right? Mm-hmm. So when people aren't making as much, um, so when people aren't making as many products, you know, making as many goods and people aren't buying, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, people aren't buying. And so that's kind of what happened. That's so that the recession is what led to the great depression essentially, which Mm -hmm. is there's, we've all heard of inflation, but then there's something called like deflation, right? Right. Right. Deflation is worse than actual inflation. So what deflation is, is when prices are going down, right? So to a certain degree, you might be like, yeah, I love it when prices go down, who wants to pay more for stuff? But you got to think about it. If prices go down, then that means that companies don't make as much money. And usually the first places that companies will cut are wages. They're going to cut employees and they're going to cut people's wages. Hmm. So now you got to think about it. If prices are going down, that means people aren't buying stuff. And if people aren't buying stuff, then people are going to be laid off. 
And then you see how that just becomes kind of like a cycle. It's like a domino then, effect. Exactly. And mm. I think they call that um, a deflationary like spiral. Right. Mm. And so essentially what the what the worst part of the Great Depression was, was high levels, high, high, high levels of unemployment. Right? Mm. Uh, yeah. So that so that's really like the that was really like the that was really the worst part of it. And so to a certain degree, why we didn't see that here, um, you know, during the 2020 uh, COVID, you know, pandemic COVID was because the government pumped a lot of money. They mm-hmm. pumped a lot, a lot of money into you know, like bailouts. You know, they were giving mm-hmm. unemployment benefits and stuff like that. Right. Um, we definitely needed it, but then that's also going to cause problems later with inflation. Inflation is when you just have too much of something, and it's not, and it's not worth as much, right? And so that's really just what inflation is. Your dollars are going to be like worth less, like as in two words, like they're worth less because there's so much of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. No, for sure. Um... No, I'm, I'm really glad that you shared that because you know, as we get older, especially for me, um, you know, since I'm like almost out of college, I realize a lot of people that I try to network with who are typically mm-hmm. older people, um, they 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 feel like they have like the sense to understand and know, you know, deflation and inflation and understanding, you know, what goes on around our economy per se, because you know, this is kind of like the long-term project. If you think about it, like your income and your money kind of, that depends, but it kind of fluctuates with how the country's economy is going. And I feel like it's important for a lot of young adults uh, that are about to come in the new world, be aware of this and uh, be knowledgeable of it and be able to speak it, you know? Um, but yeah, thank you for that. Um, but as I said before, social media, uh, every time I go on there, I see a lot of gurus and I see a lot of day traders just talk about stocks, stocks, stocks. Uh, there's like Discord channels. There's like Zoom meetups of like uh, random people getting on just to understand, you know, like different sizes of like the candle waxes or whatever people call them. Um, tell us about what stocks are and why it's such a big phenom today. Yeah. Um, so Fun fact, what actually what was one of the biggest things that actually caused stocks to exist in the first place was, I say Pirates of the Caribbean, right? It's kind of true, but it's not 100% all the way. So um, so, so stocks kind of came around because back in like the 1600s, right? So in order to get goods, you know, to and from, you know, America, you know, back to Great Britain or, you know, wherever, you mm-hmm. know, the England, wherever it was. Right. They had to, you know, they had to ship things, right? But you got to keep in mind, this is the 1600s. And so sometimes ships will get lost. Sometimes pirates would take them or just sometimes like, you know, the it would hit rough weather and the ship would go down. And so what these, you know, what some of the bankers and some what some of the early investors were doing was they were saying, hey, well, and I think the first company to really do this, they're called each... Um, I want to say they're called the Eastern Dutch Trading Group or Eastern Dutch uh, Group or something like that. And this okay. was like way back in like the 1600s. And so what they were doing was instead of saying, okay, hey, to my investors, I know that you guys normally would give me money when the ships come back. How about you guys just give us money now and you just buy into a portion of my company? 
And then whenever the ships come back, you can just share with me and some of the profits. So that sounds like how it works to us. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And so for the investors, it's like, hmm, okay, so I get I buy in portion of the company and I'm not as my money isn't as um, it's not as going to be risky if the whole boat go down, because if I invest in this one boat, you know, to bring to bring goods back to England and it goes down and, you know, that's, you know, pirates take the ship or, you know, something like that, then I just lost my whole investment. But instead, I can buy into the company, and when you know, and when the and when the company comes back, or let's just say seven out of the ten ships made it, then now I just diversified my money across all of those ships technically, and then mm. I can still get some of those dividends. And so that's mm. essentially where stocks came from in the first place, right? It was just a way mm. to kind of like make make uh, your make investments, but do it a little bit safer than just giving, you know, than just having direct payment if that makes any right. sense um but no nowadays we so and essentially that's what it was and so nowadays it's kind of the same thing a stock is simply just ownership of a company that's really all it means um and i think why you see so many gurus and stuff today is simply because it's like a hot thing right it's like everyone wants to know about it mm-hmm. um but really it's i i it's, it's not as complicated as people make it out to be Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I always tell people. Investing is easy. Discipline is the hard part, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, my investment philosophy is, you know, you would probably appreciate this. It's kind of like the Spurs, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the Spurs is a basketball team um, who are, they're very fundamentally sound. They're not really flashy, but they're great, right? You know, they're probably going to be in the playoffs and you know, they're going to make, they, they, they may not win the playoffs, not lately, Mm-hmm. But, you know, but they're going to be a solid team. They're going to get um, and knock down the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. I think the reason why you see a lot of gurus and stuff like that today is simply because a lot of people want to be sold a dream and they are willing to sell you one, if that makes sense. For sure. Um, you know, because because a lot of people hear, um, oh, um, Bobby uh, invested into Doge when they were at like 0.00005, whatever. Now it's at like 0.1. Yeah. And yeah, it's a great story. You know, I, I don't doubt that it's a lie, but it's just the reward. And like you said, the dream is just so enticing. Everyone mm-hmm. is just thinking, oh, I don't want to miss this opportunity again. I'm just going to hop on whatever opportunity comes, you know, my way. Right. And you know, sometimes it works, but a lot of times I see it not working out and people lose a lot of money yeah. over it, which is yeah. unfortunate. Um. But yeah, like, so you said that you were a financial consultant, financial advisor. Do people come up mm-hmm. to you about like stocks and, you know, what to invest, how to invest and when to invest? Yeah. So a lot of people would do that. And so, I mean, and here's what I always tell people. I know that you want to make more money in your investments and that's great. But the first thing I always tell people is you have to look at your expenses, right? Mm. And I don't think people really want to always hear that because you have to think about it like this. Take two people, right? Um, And actually, no, this is a perfect example. Um, I had this one guy in my office two days ago. He he makes great money. Um, He makes about $550,000, right? That's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. However, on the flip side is when you think about what his actual take home is, his take home is probably about 300,000, maybe 275 or so. But the guy spends about 200,000 a year. Wow. Right. 
So his so his expenses are very high. And, you know, I ran a financial plan for him and he's only saving about 18 to 20,000 in his 401k. So if you can do the math on that pretty quickly and see that he's not going to have money, he's, he's spending way too much money. And so, you know, I had another couple who both of them, they earn about a modest living. You know, they both 75,000. So you have a $150,000 household, but yet they save about the same amount and spend, you know, they save about the same amount as a guy who, mm. you know, makes half a million. So mm-hmm. really the biggest thing I always tell people is like, watch your expenses because the market on average goes up between eight to 12% a year, right? So even if you bring a hundred dollars in, that means you might get $112 next year versus if you were to be able to save $500 throughout the whole year, then you would do a lot better. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people will talk to me about investing and, and it varies per person, but I think the consensus across the board is you have to watch your expenses. If you don't watch your expenses, then there's no way you can properly save and invest in the right way. Oh, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, in high school, I had a similar problem. Um, you know, I, in high school, like, you know, a lot of high school kids, you know, a thousand dollars is like a luxury uh, for a lot of high school students. Um, you know, oh, yeah. I can't really blame them because, you know, they got school and, you know, they have sports and clubs and stuff like that. But yeah, I remember when I worked at this burger joint, um, you know, I was, I was getting paid biweekly. Um, yeah. You know, I was getting paid like nine fifty or like $10 an hour. So biweekly, I would work, you know, the 25 to like 35 hours a week bi-weekly check comes in i probably get like 500 dollars. but then mm-hmm. my checking account always hovered over like 50 or 60 dollars because i spend it a lot on like on like food uh my girlfriend um shoes i was a big sneakerhead at the time i'm sure we've all been through that phase but yeah my expenses killed me and it was really hard to save up for a car and i had yep. to really like sit down and you know, look, take a look at my expenses and, and ask myself, you know, can I live without this? Can I live without buying like a yeah. brownie every lunch? You know, like, yes, I probably can. And, you know, it ultimately yeah. saved, saved me up to buy a car. And yeah, I, I, I soon realized expenses are important. And I'm really glad that you mm-hmm. mentioned that. Um, but yeah, so you know, the last questions I have is, um, you know, for those people who are trying to understand a little bit more about the financial world, a little bit about stocks, you know, what is, what are some key advice that you would give to those young people, um, that are listening right now? Um, I would definitely say for the younger generation, I would definitely say, think about as far as like investing, right. You know, think about what's going to be, what, what are some of the things that you like? Right. Think about some of the things that you use in your day to day. Think about the social media apps that you use and ask yourself, you know, do I see myself being on this for the next 10 years? Right. Mm. You know, do I see myself using this for the next 10 years or do I see this being around for the next 10 years? If you can definitively say like, yeah, you know, like I, I see myself using this and I see it being around, then it may be a good investment. I'm not saying that it is. Um, but I would say the earlier you kind of get started on investing, it's always going to be the better. Like it's, it's always going to be better. Um, even if you don't know what to invest in and you just save and put the money in the bank, that's better than saying, okay, well, when I know what to invest in, then I'm going to start saving. That is a bad idea. I think that it's best to start saving first 
and then just kind of understanding some of the basics. If you don't know anything, just go buy indexes, you know, just buy the S&P 500, you know, buy the Dow, um, you know. So that that's what I would say. Even if you don't know anything, just buy the indexes and just kind of go from there until you're able to learn a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, Warren Buffett said that good investing, good investing is boring. And I completely agree with him. Mm-hmm. Right now, you have too many people that are trying to sell you courses sell you things that are gonna oh if you do this you'll be a millionaire in five years uh, or if you I follow can't stand me those. yeah if, or if you follow me i promise you i'm going to get you this i promise my clients nothing i promise them that i will smile at them when they come in and smile at them when they leave but i cannot control the market mm-hmm. right and so what i mean by that is like good investing is a solid 12 to 15 percent a year returns that is good investing if you do more than that Hats off to you, congratulations. But what what my biggest advice for, for young people is just like save, save money the right way, save a decent amount as much as you can. 10% is usually the golden rule. Um, and just put and just put that money into something that can net you in um an in investments anywhere from eight to twelve percent or so. Um because there, there there is no there is no like quick way to riches right like there is no like oh i'm just gonna bet on this one thing and i'm going to knock a home run and i'm gonna be rich and not have to work if anyone tells you that they have that solution they are full of bs i'm telling you Mm -hmm. um don't buy into it um don't buy into it and just know that consistency is key consistency is the way to go yeah i mean like you said like none of us can control the market you know, unless you're Elon Musk, maybe Tong, like <laughs> mentioning one word yeah. that had anything with Doge on Twitter. Like he's the only guy I've seen that can like control the market in such a way. But you know, mm-hmm. for us Joe Schmoes and for us like normal people, we can't like you say we can't control the market. You know, we just have to be smart with it. We have to have a financial plan. You know, although there isn't a cookie cutter template of like I'll save fifty percent, spend twenty percent, invest. 30%, I don't know, I didn't even add up to 100, but you get what I mean. There's no like yeah. certain percentages, like, you know, everyone's different, like I said before. Like yeah. I'm sure, you know, the client that you have that makes 550K gross a year is different from someone that I know that, you know, probably only makes 45 a year mm-hmm. gross. Um, obviously we can't use the same percentages and the same, you know, template for each right. person. Um, what would you, you know, say um, to those people that are trying to figure out that, template like is there like a formula or is there like something that yeah yeah, go ahead yeah and you actually hit on it um a little bit and this is actually one of the things that i posted on instagram so we call it the 50 30 20 right Mm -hmm. 50 percent of your 50 you know roughly speaking for if you're like an average worker 50 percent of your um uh 50 percent of your earnings should go to your needs 30 percent should go to your wants and 20% should go to savings. Like that should be kind of like your standard, you know, your standardized. However, what usually happens is, you know, people, they'll, they'll put the 50% in the needs because you got to pay your light bill, you know, you got to pay your rent, got to pay your car insurance, you know, whatever. But what then they usually do is they jack up those wants, right? Mm. So it's like, do I, like you were saying, do I really need a brownie every day? Probably not. Do I really need Starbucks every day? Probably not. Do I need to buy lunch three times a week? You know, you think about it, you start doing the math on it. It's like, okay, let's say I buy, I buy lunch three times a week, you know, and 
every day that's 12 bucks, right? It's 12, 24, 36. Um, you know, you do the math on that. You do 36, what is that? 36 times four, you know, that's $144 that month just spent on lunch. And you know, if you're buying lunch, you're probably going to buy dinner. So, you know, and that's how like your food bill kind of blossoms up to four or $500 a month. Yeah. You know, you're eating out bill and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, so that, that is kind of like the, the ideal kind of situation is the 50, 50% for needs, 30% for wants and 20% for savings. If yeah. you can hit that, then you, you should be good. For sure. For sure. And is it okay for someone to like increase their savings and decrease their ones? Like maybe like 50, 20, 30, like, is that recommended or do you, do you kind of shy away from that and try to stick to consistency? What is your take on that? Um, I think that you should do whatever it is that you're able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you should do whatever it is that you're able to do. I think that is a good, I think that's a pretty good medium because to a certain degree, we do want to save for retirement and, you know, we do want to, you know, invest, but at the same time, you also want to have a life, right? You know, you also, you know, kind of want to live and, you know, do things and, you know, enjoy time with your friends and, you know, you, you never want to look back on life and be like, man, I wish I would have. Right. But at the same time, you know, you don't want to go crazy. It's, it's nah. really a balancing act. For sure. you know, it, it, For sure. It's definitely a balancing act. So, I mean, I would say if you can save 20 percent, you know, but and then maybe next year, if you're like, all right, you know, we only save 17 percent, you know, it's, it's OK. Mm-hmm. But, you know, definitely, you know, try to try to do your best, but live, but also be responsible. For sure. You know, and a uh, very last question, uh, but real quick, yeah. um, you know, you have, you have 50, 30 and 20. Can you, can you squeeze in investing or do you feel like you should master 50, 30, 20 first before you talk about investing? Um, I think that you should probably master the 50, 30, 20. Right. And the reason why I say that is because let's say that you don't master the 50, 30, 20, and let's say that you only save 2%, right. Mm. And let's say that that 2% is a hundred dollars. But let's say that you are such a great investor that you are able to make 30% throughout the year where everyone else can only make 10%. Well, congratulations, your $100 just turned into 130 versus if you would have actually saved 20%, then that means you could have saved $1,000 instead of 100. And even though you, know, you only made, let's say 10%, your return on investment for that 1,000 is gonna be $100 instead of your return on invested being 30% only at $100 being $30. You see what I'm saying? Right, right. Does, does, does that make sense? Or No, that makes sense for sure. You have to master yeah. it first. Um, you have to look at your expenses. Um, you yeah. can't just rely on investing to make ends meet. Um, yeah. Because you got, you more than likely to... investing, yeah, investing won't make you rich. Um, mm-hmm. it, it won't make you rich. Saving and putting money away consistently that's what's going to make you rich, but that's not a, that's not a cool answer. You know, no one really wants to say that. Yeah. So that then that's why you hear these guys, you know, saying like, Oh, you know, how much did you make today? You know, walking around with the camera, how much did you make today? How much did you make? I know. Today? So, you know, I know. Yeah. It's crazy. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, once again, like that's that's everything that I have to ask for you. I I've learned so much. Um, you know, I not only learned like the origins of like money and currency and the difference between them. I've also um, gotten to know you more. I've gotten to understand you know what different people go through. Um, you know what we should master, what we should be mindful of. Um, so yeah, once again, I thank you so much. Um, yeah, of course. You know, and if you don't mind, uh, it's okay if I share your like Instagram and like your Snapchat like at the, in the description, or would you like me to disclose yeah. that? All right, yeah, fantastic. no, that's fine. Yeah, definitely share. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, is there anything else that you have for me, Ahmed? And now, just know that anytime you ever want to talk money or you know just talk life, just come let me know, and I'm here for you. For sure, for sure. All right. Um, yeah. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to uh, Be Creative Podcast. Um, like I said before, I had I've never done like a visual recording, so this was a first time for me. But hopefully, this is one of many. Uh, you guys will definitely see Ahmed more often, especially if you see him on social media. Uh, give him a follow. Uh, DM him any questions, comments, or thoughts, and I'm sure he'll get back to you just as he uh, did for me. And uh, see you guys in the next episode. See you guys.